This is CNT Talk. Every week, two friends debate the issues of the ages as we agree to disagree. It's never politically correct, but it's always entertaining. Join us tonight so you can sound knowledgeable at work tomorrow. We're smacking you upside the head with the hammer of truth. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. NFL preseason football started. So is that is that a joyous occasion? Well, that means the NFL season is I don't watch. Are you, I do not I watch, watch any no, preseason. No, I don't. People were betting on the preseason games. I'm like, why? I, mean, I guess you bet if you're a degenerate gambler, you bet on everything. But right. no, I do not watch preseason football games because I don't really care to watch two plays from the starters. <laughs> uh, that's, it, it does make no sense. And there's, there's 100 people on, or 50 people well, there's, on the team. I'm I mean, there's even guys that do obsessive reports from training camp when they do like the intra-squad scrimmaging. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, this is literally, it's not even like quarter speed. I mean, it's, no. you know, but it, I don't know. I guess there's some people that just cannot get enough NFL football. I don't watch the blue white game. I don't watch the maize and blue. It, I, I don't watch the inner squad of anything because guess what? It's a scrimmage and I don't care. It, it doesn't mean anything. If it doesn't get you points, doesn't get you advanced in the rankings. I don't care. So that means college football is coming soon. Yes. Very soon. And NFL football is not far behind. So that's a good thing. Uh, apparently your Chargers are going to not have a running back. Is well, that... no, we have plenty of running backs. No, the good one. <laughs> no, we actually have plenty of good ones. I'm, Yeah, he's talking about Melvin Gordon, who um, I actually like Melvin Gordon, and he had a very good season last year. And there's, of course, all of this is kind of shrouded in secrecy, so you don't know what the contract negotiations have actually been. But insiders have said that the Chargers were offering him basically $10 million a year over, I think, like four seasons with half of it guaranteed. My reaction to that is that is more than generous. (laughs) More than generous. And poor Melvin uh, has either been... Uh, you know, ensorcelled by his agent or he's getting bad advice because or both. nobody on in this market is going to pay him that. No. He apparently wants to be paid 13 or $14 million a year. Good luck with Putting that. him in the Pantheon with Le'Veon and Todd Gurley. Sure. First of all, he's not as either. good as those guys. <laughs> he's not either one of them. He also has an injury history. Now, I will say this. We'll never know. Um, Melvin has been running behind, just as Philip Rivers has been operating behind, a terrible offensive line. Sure. So maybe Melvin believes that if he goes to a team that actually has a more than mediocre offensive line, he will be uh, you know, the best back in the league. But the Chargers would be insane to pay him anything close to that. And they do have three Austin Eckler. They got uh, Justin Jackson and they've got uh, the D train. Mm-hmm. Um, so. They've got enough guys to fill in. Are they are they as good as Melvin Gordon? No. Uh, I would go offense, Melvin Gordon is the number one. I mean, there's nobody there that is good by themselves as Melvin Gordon. And is the offense going to suffer a little bit if he's not there? Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. they're not going to pay him no. what he wants. So he's going to have to decide. He's either going to do a Le'Veon and he's going to be done for the year. Sure. Or he's going to have to come back to the Chargers and say, you know what? I will I will live in poverty and accept your ten million dollars a year. I'll do what I have to do. And of course, really for by. a running back, the guarantees are what matter. Sure. Well, they can one of the reports anytime. that I had heard, and I didn't realize this, and maybe you know more about it, is that one of the issues with Le'Veon and the Steelers is that they had offered him very little guaranteed mm-hmm. money. That's correct. And and so that 
kind of puts his position in a little bit more perspective because remember for these guys, they're one play away from their career being over, particularly for a running back who already has a shortened lifespan as it is. Mm -hmm. And the way the, the way the rookie wage scale works, these running backs basically have one shot. Okay. Their second contract, their post rookie contract is their chance to essentially secure themselves. And so I don't blame these guys necessarily for saying we need to be paid. The problem for them is honestly, their position is just not that valued in the current NFL. And the market reflects that. And And they haven't figured it out. And when you have then add on injury baggage, people are just not going to pay you what, you know, there's about three guys in the league, three or four, Le'Veon, Zeke, Saquon, Gurley, although Gurley now, look, the Rams are now very, yeah. they're questioning a little bit, yeah. where are we heading here? Because uh, with his injuries. Not in a good way. Yeah, so like. there's maybe three or four backs that could justify that kind of premium. But not in guaranteed fashion. Because Zeke just said today, without a new contract, I'm not playing. So maybe they well, should just swap think, people. And here's the thing. <laughs> Zeke is far more important to the Cowboys than Melvin sure Gordon is, is to the Chargers. Sure is. And what I've been reading, the Cowboys are not going to cave to no. him. Well, it, you, you, you talk about Le'Veon Bell. The Steelers, traditionally, unless you're a quarterback, you're not getting a huge guaranteed money. Forget it. You're not a quarterback. Stop talking about it. So if that's what he, he wanted, he was never going to get that. Now, the Steelers offered him more money than he ended up with the Jets, but it, more was guaranteed well, the with the Jets. The Jets gave him more guaranteed And, and I understand that. And I, I think it's... I think it's bad. And I think it was about twice as much guaranteed money. I think you're probably right. I mean, it was was considerably more. But the Steelers usually give you about a quarter guarantee if you're a star player. Other than that, it tapers off from there. I think it's wrong that a a franchise can sign you to a five-year contract and have to honor two. You know, I I think that's wrong. I don't care if they counted dead money. The the player didn't get paid, and they put out for your team. I think that's not wrong. I don't want to go to the NBA where everything's guaranteed or the Major League Baseball, but – I think if you sign a contract, both parties sign it in good faith. If there's a reason that breaks, then you can talk about that. But you should pay him if, unless you – you shouldn't sign the four-year deal if you're not going to pay him for yeah. four years. I, I don't think. Running backs, they are in a difficult – a very difficult position because the position that they play is one of the most physically mm-hmm. bruising, you know, where their careers just in general, that, that field position yeah. – your life expectancy for football is very short. Thirty and under, usually. There's some that go over. Oh, I don't well think under. 30. I don't think Emmett Smith's record has any chance of being broken. I don't know if ever, but the way the if the NFL unless general changed back to what it was, where you had a star running back who carried a team, that hasn't happened. But in a I long guess time. the only my final comment about this is, and so I don't. I don't say that Melvin Gordon, you know, is 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 wrong to do this. I think he's misguided in the sense of how he's valuing himself. But I would, I also, I said this before. At what point? And again, I'm not in these guys' shoes. Okay, so I know there's ego involved, and I, yeah, sure, I want to protect my family. You're being offered twenty million dollars. If this is true, yeah, twenty million dollars mm-hmm. in guaranteed money. You are on a team that ha- that is a Super Bowl contender based on the talent that sure. they're running out on the field. Those don't come along very often. Mm-hmm. In other words, you have a window. You have a limited window of maybe this year, maybe one more year, where you're going to potentially challenge for a championship. At what point do you say to yourself, and the offer is not um, you know, just disrespecting you. No. They're offering him 
basically right as a tier two guy, mm-hmm. top tier two money, meaning we're not putting you up with the top four guys, but you're right beneath them. The guarantees are very reasonable. At what point do you say to yourself, you know what? That's good enough. I'm wealthy beyond the dreams of avarice unless I somehow pull a Mike Tyson and squander everything, which, which I guess is possible. Sure. And I get to play for a team that is going to contend for a championship for the next two years where I like playing. Mm-hmm. I, I just, again, every person has to make an individual decision about that. Mm-hmm. But I would hope that if I was in that position, and I guess we can't say until we're there, I'd say, you know what? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. 40 million, 20 million of which is guaranteed if that's the offer. And I'm playing with Philip Rivers on a team that's stacked, making a run at an NFL championship in a place that I like to play. I'm, I'm fine with that rather than I'm going to hold out and see if somebody's going to pay me an extra 5 million in guarantees and go play for a mediocrity for the remaining good part of my career. That just doesn't make any sense to me. Well, you could make it very simple. I'll sign a four-year contract for $40 million guaranteed. And if I get injured, you don't pay me. Or you can take $20 million and maybe if work out the contract and you get to four years, you get to $40 million. But you're guaranteed twenty because guess what? If he came out of college right now and they offered him that contract, would he take it? I guarantee he'd take he would. it. He'd be an idiot not to take it. So I think he's got people around him, as does Zeke, who think that I'm everything. I am all that. Ezekiel Elliott hasn't played a full season. He's either been suspended or injured. Right. So what makes him think, much like I said with Le'Veon Bell, you don't play a full se- He played one full season in Pittsburgh. The rest of the time he's either suspended or injured. Injuries aren't necessarily his fault, but he's still injured, not on the field. Suspensions, his fault. Well, and again, I also get it. Like, for instance, most people hear a couple million dollars and think you're set. You're not set. No. If, if someone's paying you two, three, four million dollars after taxes, after all of the people that you have to pay, and these yeah. guys have a lot That's of people. A lot of money. Okay. So in other words, I get it that at some point the money is not enough, but $20 million dollars. I think that's sufficient, meaning if you don't do something incredibly blockheaded, just stick it in some okay. mason jars and put okay. it in the backyard, you that's pretty much generational money unless you're expecting to live kind of like some kind of sultan. Well, I think that's what it comes down to. Some of these guys expect to have all these things come to them forever, and they don't realize it's a short lifespan, especially for a running back. It's just a short lifespan. Quarterbacks, with the exception of Tom Brady, are not playing into their 40s. That just doesn't happen. And that's the most, the highest paid position on the field is usually quarterback. Yeah. I mean, every team, their quarterback, their starting quarterback is probably the highest paid position on the field. Most places. I don't, I can't think of somewhere. Maybe like, well, is Khalil Mack making more than. um, Possibly. um, I mean, it's possible. I mean, because he's a, he was a second year player. There's a couple outliers, but yeah, generally 99% of the time, the QB is the highest paid player. And I, if Trubisky works out. He'll be making more than Mac. Right. There's no there's no question of that. We'll see what happens, but I I think I think Le'Veon Bell kind of gave a framework for some of these running backs saying, okay, if I do this, maybe this will happen. But I think they're playing a dangerous game that it's not going to work out the same for you. You're not that. I mean, somebody who's got, who's the most talented, the most skilled can demand certain things. If you're not, you have to accept other things because you're not that. And remember, if you sit out a year, 
you're also now you have to recoup. You add on five for Melvin Gordon five point six million dollars. So yeah. you've got to tack on now. I just lost yes. five point six million. Le'Veon Bell lost fourteen and a half million dollars last year. He is not going to get back, and he did not make up on this contract. Right. So so he, his gamble was, and and I can understand it a little bit in his situation. I'm I need more guarantees to protect myself, and so I'm willing to do this. And I think he probably came out happy. But the other thing is. Are the Jets contending for no. a Super Bowl anytime Please. soon? Sam Donald so, maybe eventually be okay. Um, so you're you're now on a team. You left a team that is a perennial playoff. Yeah, team. and their window's closing too. Right, no question. So again, I mean that balance to me. I would hope that for someone at the top of the sport who wants to play for championships would tilt more often towards I'm taking a little less mm-hmm. because I want to win while I have the chance and. It seems to me that that's not always what guys do. In fact, it seems to me most of them are siding with, if I can get a little bit more money, that's what I want. I think we look at it from a fan's perspective, and we want to win because we know we're never going to get that money. So we don't even think about the money. We think about, I'd like to be a champion. I think they think about, this is setting me up and my family for the rest of my life. I'd like to win a championship, but I'd like to make more money first. But that gets back to my point is when you're already making that amount of money, how much more do you really need? And again, everyone has to make their own decision. I, so I'm not, I'm trying to view it not as a fan yeah. as if I'm in that situation, isn't that kind of enough? But I think when you're, when you're in any situation, doesn't matter what job it is. If somebody says, I think you're worth more and you believe them, you think you should get more. You feel like you're being cheated if you right, don't get more. Right, but the difference more. is you can't really compare football because you, in your job or my job, we're not also weighing, well, you know what? There's my salary, but then I also have a chance to win the job world championship. Sure, no, sure. There, there isn't. That no, doesn't exist. It, it doesn't exist. All it is is basically personal satisfaction, right? Do I like where I work? You know, we live, we live in this area. But you're not weighing that other factor, which is – in, in a sporting life, the pinnacle – I can achieve potentially the pinnacle of my career mm-hmm. if I stay here, but I can't make quite as much as if I go down the street to the textile mill that, that's going to pay me a little bit more, but now I'm just a, a guy on the assembly line. So I'll give you an example. I talked to this doctor 25 years ago. He was a cardiologist. I was a lowly hospital employee, and he asked me almost every time I saw him, how much money do you think you need to be happy? Every time he'd see me, he'd ask me that question. Now I'm making $6 an hour, so I'm thinking more than $6 more. an hour. Yes. <laughs> so I threw out a number one day, and I said, like, $35,000. I, I think I'd be happy with 35000 And he's laughing. And I'm, I'm like, why are you laughing? He goes, it's never enough. You never feel like you have enough. If you have it, you look next door and somebody else has more, you think you should have more. Why don't I have more? And I said, I don't know. At that point, things were cheaper. But I thought, well, $35,000, I can I can have a car, I can have a house, I can have a family. Well, it's not a big deal. I mean, I think it is a commentary on the human condition. And I think in some respects he is right because all your, your eye is always sure. looking at the next thing. And so you're right. There is that tendency. But I do think – and look, as Christians, obviously, this is one of the reasons why, you know, you don't chase after the things of this world because they, it's true. They don't satisfy no. you. No. But if we're talking about it just sort of in a – not in that big picture kind of metaphysical way that your life is never going to be satisfied by things or money. Right. But, but you're always it, chasing that. 
Uh, human nature is to chase it, right. whether you're going to be satisfied or not. I, you I think guess you're going to be satisfied. As an elite athlete, and remember, that's the other thing, is as a fan, these guys are wired differently than most sure. people. They have spent their entire lives training obsessively, mm-hmm. putting themselves through things that nobody else is going to do. Why? Sure, to make money, but mostly because we want to win a championship. So those two things, I think, kind of blend together, and it just interests me the decisions these guys make on that continuum, and it seems like and maybe I'm wrong about this, more often in this generation, the decision is much more about, listen, whoever pay me top dollar, that's what I, that's where I'm going. Well, do you think that if you're sitting there as a player, whatever your salary is, it doesn't matter what it is, you see that owner and you say, that guy's got bucks. He's flying in private jets. He's got everything he could ever possibly want. I should get more. I don't care what you're paying somebody else. I should get more because I think you said they're wired differently, and I agree with that. These are people wired to say, I've always been told I can't do something, and I've done it. You owe me. I'm special because everybody told them they're special, and they were. Honestly, Melvin Gordon was a special running back. He's not as special as somebody else, but he's much more special than others. So, you know, I think he – he gets he's, that enough he's among what? Uh, less than a thousand people in the world that do can do what he does, right? In, well, in as term- a running back, I think he's he's probably in the top ten, right? At, at, at worst, so you think I'm I'm one of the ten best in the world at what I do? Then you think you're worth because you see the owner who's got money. Now they have bills, and you don't think about that. You only think about what you see. I don't know. That's the that's the lore of the Donald Trump before presidency. Right. I see the gold. I see all the – he's got it all. Well, no, he was bankrupt. Oh, by the but way, since we don't usually start with sports, I do want to make one other completely random sports comment sure. because this struck me. I was reading an article about um, – I think the article was about the sneaker contracts uh, for some of these guys in the NBA. Okay. And – um, I know what it was. It's this issue with Zion Williamson where there's now going to be litigation potentially between him and this woman that was originally representing him because he signed with the Jumpman brand for Nike. But that has nothing to do with it. So I'm reading the article, and part of it is because Michael Jordan's involved because it's his brand. Right. And they're referring to him – I had forgotten about this – as the governor of the Charlotte Hornets. The governor. The governor. And And so at first I was <laughs> – and I'm, I wasn't even – I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, wait, what? What is that saying? The, the governor? And I remember, remembered you're not allowed to call anyone an owner anymore. So this usage has now been officially – Since when are you not allowed to call them an owner? Oh, you didn't, you didn't follow this? Apparently not. Oh, no, no. Yes, yes. You can't Only call, in the NBA? Well, or I, any I'm sport. sure it will soon seep into everything from the NFL to curling. <laughs> Um, no, no. So, so Are literally, curling teams that ownership. Oh, oh, I'm sure somebody owns a curling team somewhere. I don't know, in you know Get the Philippines or Canada. Um, so, yes. So, this is now apparently the approved new speak, which is, and I'm reading this. I'm like, wait, he's not. And the th- so, first of all, the idiocy of you can't say owner, like, but that's what I am. I. What do you mean? Well, that's you know that's it's racist. And it evokes slavery. Maybe in your mind, like, what are you insane? So, the, but then the other thing is the chosen. I don't know. They have like a selection. The governor, like, that doesn't even make sense. How are you the governor? Yeah, that doesn't. And isn't that also equally offensive? Well, well, I, I, well governor. Well, is that it, strikes me as also a bit racist. Is, is it because the league is 
majority yes. African American, yes. so the owner makes it no, sound like they're plantation literally, owners. Literally, Draymond Green complained about this. Adam Silver, you know, woke to the 80th power. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Yeah, it is a little bit. Uh, I don't like that. First of all, it doesn't refer to owning the players. No. You actually own a business. Yeah. I own odd. my house. Am I, I must, I'm going to tell my wife, I am now the governor, I'm the governor of, of this, this house. Mansion, yes. And I, I, it's just incredible. So now this is now the accepted, I did not shrunk know and white. From now on, when you refer to just remember, okay. we cannot call them owners. So Robert Kraft is not an owner. He's a he, governor, he's the governor of New England. He's the governor Patriots. of the Patriots. <laughs> Okay. Um, Don't know how that comes about, but sure, that sounds. Yeah, that sounds. It doesn't change what he does. It doesn't change the, how. Um, okay, you're kind of a Lord of the Rings guy, right? What yeah. was the name? What was the name of oh, the guy who uh, basically burned himself up? The the crazy overseer of the what's the city? Uh, the city where Boromir is from. The yeah. the, the white. You talking about the worm tongue? No, no, not oh. Wormtongue. He was the guy that was whispering into the ear of the king of the horse people or whatever. No, the guy, the, the completely wicked guy that had, was sitting in as the – there's a name that they gave him. Uh, was it like the overseer or the – Lord protector or something? I don't know. Yeah. So I, I want to come up with a better name than governor. We're, we're going to go through uh, – I'm going to think some of those up and we'll, we'll, we'll uh, propose those. Uh, governor is not – that's just not good. How about the one percenters? The one per- no, that's not good enough either. Because they are at least one percent of the value. I don't know. It, it, you think if if you've got if you've got something we should call ownership seven one seven seven three nine five four three two seven one seven seven three nine five four three two the the potentate. I, I don't know. Potentate. We'll we'll have to come up with something better than the governor. Yeah, that, but that, that just was very. Uh, it just struck well, who me. Who was like, he elected? It's by? like from the Onion. I, like, from the Onion. Michael yeah, Jordan, and it's it. Michael Jordan, the governor of the. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Oh, that's right. He can't be an owner. Well, other than Jerry Reinsdorf and. Um, but by the way, that also raises the question: He's black. Can't yeah. black owners still be owners? Because they can't be racist. Well, I don't know if you know this or not. But there were actually black slave owners in the South. No. Yes. I know it's hard to believe. Not well, a lot, but there were some. Well, okay. <laughs> we don't even have to focus on the South. How about actually in Africa? Yes. Well, They're... they sold their rivals and then people into – I think that's the part they miss. The slave traders would come to the coast and get the slaves from other black people. What about, what about so... the proprietor? Proprietor. I'm the proprietor. That sounds of the like Charlotte Mr. Hooper Hornets. from Sesame Street. Right. The proprietor. I'm of... the I'm the shopkeeper. I'm the burgermeister. Ooh, How about that? I knew a guy named Burgermeister. Yeah, I, the Burgermeister might be good. Although it's German, it so German, German means you like Nazi. Your, you like your German though. You, you got right, a great but, German. But German's no good. <laughs> We're going way off the rails. So come up with something. So switch gears a little bit. Um, two tragedies over the weekend. Yes. Two, two shooting tragedies over the weekend, and and obviously those are horrible. Um, what twenty nine people or thirty people killed, and many more wounded, close to a hundred wounded. So you know those are awful. But the traditional media salivating over we. Need, I, I just saw something on the hill. We need to get rid of the Second Amendment. Now's the time. And you know, in two thousand eight, when I think the, it was probably a liberal court. 
they feel like that was not good enough. We need to get rid of the Second Amendment, and now's, now's the time to push for it. Just, right. just do it. Well, every time. It's, it's Groundhog Day every time. I mean, it's really almost pointless to you, – you, you can recycle – You just – Take exactly all the same editorials, mm-hmm. all the same news pieces, all the same whatever CNN specials and town hall meetings. Just replay them over and over and over again because it's the same. It's the same discussion every time. It's the same demands. It's the same irrationality. Uh, and again, it's it's sad because there's not even time to actually you know express mourning it's immediately to the political stations start cranking out cranking out our propaganda this is the time never let the tragedy go to waste it's just kind of, the whole thing is just kind of sickening so there was a editorial today in USA today by Catherine Hugh okay h u she went to school with the El Paso shooter okay he was a loner and she says don't blame mental health. It's the NRA. Right, right. Of course. Because she said, that's a canard. You can't blame mental health. No. He may have had mental issues. May have. I see. But it's because of Donald Trump's rhetoric and right, the NRA. Right, right. I know. Well, Those are the two things I, absolutely. that caused the shooting. Cause and effect. It's, it's obvious. It's self-evident. So I want to stress, and we've got other people that you and I both know. Who blamed Donald Trump for the shootings? Now, he was not in Dayton and he was not in El Paso. So, ipso facto, I don't think you can physically blame him. But his words caused both of these individuals to shoot people. Right. I I don't know how. Now, remember how this works, though, is that um, since we're going to play this absurd we're going to decide, you know, what political rhetoric incites murder. It's as as always a one way ratchet because amazingly, no one in the media has ever reminded Bernie Sanders that nope. James Hodgkinson, Bernie Bro, specifically referenced him mm-hmm. when he decided to try to shoot up all the Republicans at the congressional softball game yep. almost murdered Steve Scalise. Mm-hmm. Um, again, does this formula work? No, 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 no. It doesn't work for that, of course. It doesn't and work for the guy in Dayton who was a socialist. For, well, exactly. That's the other thing. I mean, if we're going to play this ridiculous, absurd, um, we need to figure out. First of all, here's the first thing. Uh, with all due respect to Miss Pugh or whatever Hugh. her name is. Hugh. Yeah. Did you read what most of these people have written? They're all crazy. She said. They're barking nuts. She claims that Donald Trump's rhetoric gave him license to be crazy. Except the interesting thing is in his own. And and by the way, um, the media should not give these guys names out. They should not publish their manifestos because this is part of this cycle Mm -hmm. is that's the reason many of these guys want to do. There I am. My name is up in lights. But the point is, if you're going to delve into the supposed rationale, he specifically says in his manifesto of kookery, he's felt like this well before Donald Trump and even says they're likely to blame Donald Trump for this, <laughs> even though he has nothing to do with it. Cause it's guns. And the guy in Dayton, and you pointed out amazingly not so interested in him because he's an Elizabeth Warren leftist. And again, none of this. It's not matters. her fault either. I don't think don't Elizabeth Warren no. is responsible for this. I don't think Bernie Sanders, nope. but if we're going to play this 
disgusting game, yep. well, then it's going to work both ways. Well, so, it has to. It has to. You can't blame one. Words have meaning. Words have consequences. But words didn't shoot anybody. Words did not shoot these people. And it was a tragedy. No question at all. Those people didn't deserve to get shot. They didn't have a crazy person out there. And I know we're not supposed to say crazy, but he's mentally, they were both mentally unstable. Is is AOC responsible for the guy that tried to shoot up the uh, ICE uh, center? Well, what do you mean? Because, you know, again, this uncivil, hateful rhetoric. Gee, do you think calling what's going on at the border a concentration camp, does that qualify? No, no, no. That's not hateful. That's no. just that's, that's just, just speaking the truth, sure, right? Sure. This whole discussion and this 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 propaganda that gets spewed, which is this one-way street that mm-hmm. remember, Bill Clinton tried to blame Rush Limbaugh for the Oklahoma City bombing. I don't know why, but because yeah. <laughs> he was, you know, he's inciting hate on talk radio. Hmm. Um they Interestingly, I just read this today. Did you hear that Sarah Palin, uh, who they tried to blame for is it Lochner shooting Gabby Gifford, wasn't his name? Yep. Um, and, of course, the evidence, and, in fact, even the New York Times had to admit this, had nothing whatsoever to do. Remember, Sarah Palin had put out this map of, like, electoral targets. Yeah. And that meant that because she got shot in a place that was one of the 30 or so, because it's across the country, GOP targets <laughs> – this was the reason, and in fact, it turned out it has absolutely nothing to do with Again, the man was nuttier than a fruitcake. Yeah. He heard voices in his head, paranoid schizophrenic, and actually, so she sued the New York Times for defamation. Federal court judge threw it out. It's now just been reinstated. I saw that. I saw that. Because what happened is the New York Times recycled this in reporting another story and included as a fact <laughs> that Sarah Palin's map had essentially caused this shooting they then retracted it, and their defense was, well, we weren't actually aware of anything. So right now that lawsuit is back on. Yeah. She's moving forward against the New York Good. Times. The point is anybody who engages in this kind of we're going to blame you for someone else's murder because something that you said, you, they really deserve to be dismissed out of hand. It, it, it's, it is – First of all, it's kind of like vulture-like behavior. Mm -hmm. You're more interested in scoring political points and in making this completely fallacious argument. And you're doing it in a way that's entirely selective. Mm -hmm. So just stop. Just stop it. It's much like watching a hockey game for the fights or NASCAR for the crashes. They want to see the violence. They want to see this. Now, I read something the other day. I think it was yesterday. Um Think about this. In the 70s, you had streakers running across football fields and baseball fields, and TV would show them and block it out. When they stopped showing it, it went down. That doesn't go away completely, but it it went down to almost none. I feel like the media is partially responsible for some of this because it's well, substantially substantially responsible because they keep putting it out there. These nutbags think that, oh, well, you know, if I get myself out there or get my name on TV or people, I'll be famous or something because they're not wired correctly right now. There's something wrong with these guys. That helps contribute to, hey, I'm going to do that because they got famous. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do So that shouldn't be done. And we've got, and this isn't Trump starting this, but Trump's part of it, the divisiveness in our society. We are a a society. And I'm going to go back one president and say that B.O., 
did a lot of defi- decisiveness. He was much more nuanced and pleasant about it, but he divided this country completely. Bush, Bush was a milk toast as far as that goes. He wasn't really. Yeah, he, I don't. But no, that you're you're correct. Is that people seem to forget all the stuff that Obama said because it was it was done with a silver tongue. Sure. The dulcet tones, the jutting jaw, the creased pant, and so if they don't. There, there's no reaction to that whatsoever. No, no. But um, there's a, there's a famous, I forget, maybe it's from John Gabriel. Um, it, it was a tweet that he sent out, and he said, you know, the thing that I, what I love most about the Obama years was all the racial healing, yeah. and and that's yeah. that's exactly right. Uh, is that Barack Obama played him? Now you could say, well, the only reason is because all the racists hated Barack Obama. Well, they all voted. For, there was enough non-racists to put him in office, and Barack Obama, in his own mellifluous way, spent many a day doing exactly what Donald Trump does. Mm-hmm. Only he just does it with much more elan. Well, he did with more elan, and he also had the mainstream media who right, pandered to it, right, and running interference for, at all times. It's still divisive. Trump is no less divisive. He's just cruder about it. And he uses Twitter as his medium for most of the stuff. And we've said over and over, what you're putting out there is not its not making things better in most cases. It's usually making things worse. The Elijah Cummings thing. Now, I read his tweets. I didn't see the racist no, part. No. I saw the cesspool that is downtown Baltimore. And if you've been to downtown Baltimore... Any time in the last 10 or 15 years, you know what I'm talking about. Outside the Inner Harbor, it's a scary place yes. to be. It's a very scary place to be during the daylight and at night. Donald Trump is not the only person that's saying this. But, no. Um, yeah, and Freddie the, Gray was not the, under the, Donald the Trump. Point about, the point about that is that basically the rule now is if you are a white politician, and certainly if you're Donald Trump, if you say anything mm-hmm. – about someone who is a minority that is de facto racist because it How? doesn't matter know. it doesn't matter what the subject matter of the critique is for instance apparently it is now off limits to point out that Baltimore is a cesspit in many areas yeah. not allowed to do that now listen you can you could probably legitimately criticize that by saying that's not constructive um, sure. that is that's insulting but no no it's immediately it's racist how is that ra- oh because black people live there so is your rule that any time we can't even engage in factual commentary about the condition of inner cities whether they're riddled with crime or drugs uh, because that's primarily minorities and since you're talking about minorities and you're not talking about again you're not even talking about them but that's a dog whistle, which ultimately means you're just being a racist. Well, then we can't have any conversation about urban blight, mm-hmm. what to do about it. By the way, how are we going to fix this stuff? You're just not allowed to talk about it. Well, that's what it is. Elijah Cummings' house got robbed right after Donald Trump's tweet. So it's obviously Donald Trump's fault that his house got robbed. I don't know how that connects. Well, I actually okay. – I, I, I wish I had the exact – um, cite to this, but I think that I saw recently there was a poll that was conducted uh, among Democrats, and and the question I'm going to get it slightly wrong, but essentially the the notion was, do you think that any white politician criticizing an African American just by virtue of their skin color is racist? And over thirty percent of the response, yes. Yes. By definition, if you're a white person, you know, politician, you basically can't say anything about someone who is not also white 
because that's automatically racist. I don't but think this is this racism. is literally the perspective of a growing mm, not majority but plurality mm-hmm. of the Democratic Party. That essentially you're a white person, there's just certain things you you have anything to say, anything negative at all mm-hmm. about someone a person of color, forget it. That, that's racist. Before you get out of the gate, before we even evaluate what you said, doesn't matter. Their their skin color basically provides them with complete immunity from any criticism whatsoever. That's really, I mean, that's really what is going on with the squad. Sure. Okay. It's uh, yeah. oh, it's racist. Now look, the, the rhetoric about, and I want to talk about this a little bit. Okay? Yeah. So the issue with Donald Trump and the squad was he made these comments. I never about, heard of the fourth one until you. <laughs> You mentioned I never Presley? heard of her. Yeah, I never heard oh, of her. Well, I actually have a comment about well, her. Yeah, she's um, not good either. So, but. so Trump's comments were essentially, and of course, they never quote everything. Sure. They, they've now they've now shortened it to basically go back to where you came from, and well, that no, they're they're interpreting it as go back to where you came from, meaning the other country for Omar, back to um, right now. First Africa. of all. Which is granted, not what he said. Granted, but also a very stupid thing for Donald Trump to say about three of them because other than Omar, all of them are born in the United States. Yes. So this idea that they have a country to go back to is dopey. Well, and I don't think that's what he was saying. I think he was saying send them back and send get another politician, but that's not right. it's still, clear it's how still, that came out. It still was an idiotic thing it, to it say was. in I the agree. way that he framed it because that's what Donald Trump does. But the larger <laughs> point true. is if you're going to make the accusation that that comment – is racist the argument that i've heard made is this is historically what anyone who's a racist said to all manner of immigrants go back to ireland and you know what okay in that context if the only reason that you are pointing at someone and saying go back to where you came from is because you see that their skin color is different that is obviously and self-evidently racist Mm -hmm. is that what was going on with donald trump no. Is that the reason is there a reason the squad is being targeted? Yes. Sure. Because they're extremist left-wing radicals. Is Donald Trump's comment directed at them because Ilhan Omar is a brown person? I don't think so. Now there's people that say it is. My read on it is he's directing it at them because they are upfront about the fact that they want to, to use the words of another famous guy, fundamentally transform this country. They are open and obvious in their anti-Semitism. Certainly Omar is. Sure. Certainly Rashid Tlaib is. Mm-hmm. Uh, AOC is kind of signed on board. Their views are extreme. And what Trump said – and I don't – look. I don't think the president should be in the business of telling any American citizen to go back to where you came from. I agree. That's, that is not acceptable rhetoric. But the question is, is it racist? Because that term gets thrown around and applies now to everything. I don't think it's racist because his focus is on the fact that what he said was, you're here virulently criticizing America, mm-hmm. a country that has taken you in, in the case of Omar, yes. that has provided you, you have escaped a country and a condition that was far worse. There's a reasonable expectation, I think. Look, this doesn't mean is America immune from criticism? No. Absolutely not. No. Should people Shouldn't be free be. to stand up and say, we think this is wrong, we think this should be fixed, because America has a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. But I do think that the idea that Someone who came here from another country or someone who's even living here and are constantly 
demonizing America in the sense that they portray it only as a place that is essentially racist and sexist, and it's this hotbed of all that is wicked and evil. I think it's appropriate. Most normal people's reaction to that will be, well, that's offensive. Um, (laughs) You know, and again, the sentiment that if you really are that unhappy, again, I don't think a president should be expressing this. But the idea that it is out of bounds to react to that by saying, you know what? You've been provided a pretty good life. We all recognize that America is flawed. If you are that convinced that America is a just a cesspit, then there are many other places, presumably the ones that you talk about. Why aren't you there? Sure. That the idea that you can't express that or that that's inherently a racist sentiment, I find to be absurd. Well, <clears throat> the four of the if he had said send her home, would that be offensive? Send her home? Well, now it's almost like a directive. Well, because uh, understand the 2020 election is the next election. She's up for re-election in 2020. So that means if you say send her home, send her back to Minneapolis, that's her home. Send uh, AOC back to New York City. Well, but that's, that's not her what he, home. But that's not what he meant. That's not what he meant. But we're we're taking these words, and I I think I think there was a tinge of send her back to Somalia. Whether whether no, it was implied or not, no, I absolutely. Certainly, no, that's absolutely what yeah. he meant. But but, I, but the context was what he said, and again, he shouldn't have said that. I agree. He shouldn't be saying that about anybody. Well, he shouldn't be. He shouldn't be in the market of. Tweeting now, they get under his skin. He's very thin-skinned. We've talked about this. This guy is got rabbit well, ears on, every, and understandably so. No, 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 no. But here's the thing: we should talk about this because I disagree with you. Okay, Donald Trump. Remember the the received wisdom on this is is that. You know, yes, Trump is the font of all wickedness, but that the reason that he tweets is because he simply can't control himself, and he's this petulant infant, and he gets angry and he lashes out. I think Donald Trump is very, very tactical. Okay. In what he does. And I think the reason you don't have to agree in the sense that whether it's right or wrong, but I think the reason that he is attacking these four is because he knows that as long as those four ladies are front and center Mm -hmm. representing the Democratic Party, they are going to crash and burn. And so he wants AOC and he wants Omar and he wants Tlaib and he wants Presley out in front and forcing the Democratic Party other leadership, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and all the rest to defend these women because they are so extreme and the things that they say are so noxious. Okay, again, we want to talk about Donald Trump's racism. Why don't we talk about that these women, particularly again, Tlaib and Omar, have made, I don't know, a half dozen or more rabidly anti-Semitic statements. Also, in my view, if you are a member of the boycott, divest, and sanction movement, yeah. I'm sorry, the there's not spitting distance between that movement, which is aimed, make no mistake, at the destruction of Israel sure. and being an anti-Semite. Sure. I don't want to hear well, any tri- nuanced She's an anti-Semite. Right. But the point is and nobody in sure. their party cares about this at all. And nobody- well, I think they do. I disagree with that. I think, I think Nancy Pelosi cares but not cares enough to – Silence. Them. No, they care for political reasons because they recognize that it's. But remember, we're talking about where is the moral outrage, right? Sure. If if you know 
we hear we hear Donald Trump being accused of being anti-Semitic, mm-hmm. despite the fact that he's moved the embassy to Jerusalem and his own family. Meanwhile, you have these women and you have hear all these calls, by the way. Why are not the Republicans and the conservatives denouncing that statement by so and so? They didn't they didn't even have the stones to force Omar <laughs> to issue a very straightforward apology, which mm-hmm. was essentially or, you know, this, well, it needs to be changed. And now we're against all manner of just bad speak or whatever. Yeah, it was no. worthless. So the Democratic Party right now has a major and growing problem with anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. It's not just about them. It's about the fact that you had Keith Ellison as a guy who was essentially second in command of the DNC. Mm-hmm. He's a Louis Farrakhan disciple. You have. He doesn't know anything about Louis Farrakhan. He's never met right. him. Never That's heard right. Of him. They won't. They are unwilling to even address this because they're scared of these women. Because sure. remember, the, the leftist uh, attacks, they'll go after anybody. They yes. accuse Pelosi of being a racist when she, when she had the temerity to tepidly criticize this. <laughs> the, the larger point, point here is on this issue of you know Donald Trump's statements were racist. Racist, that epithet, in my view is a charge that is very serious. Um, it's essentially, in my it, the way I understand that to mean is, I look at your skin color, and I decide that for that alone, I am superior to you, you are inferior, you are a lesser human being, you're maybe not even a human being, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's racism. That's racism, yeah. And the idea that any time that you say anything negative about someone who happens to be what is it? A Latin X, a Latin X or an African-American or pick whatever the minority. Yeah. The mere fact that their skin is that color. We don't even need to inquire into the substance of what you're saying. That's automatically racist. That trivializes the word into meaninglessness. Mm-hmm. And when there are actual instances of racism, we don't have anything to describe them with because no. everything has become racism. That's how it works. That. I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. I think his calculated critique of the squad could backfire because I think he's giving them power they didn't have. I think Nancy Pelosi allowing them. These are freshman congresswomen. They should not even – you shouldn't even know their names. They shouldn't even exist on the radar of anybody outside their district. You should never have heard of them, but yet you do. And – that's probably led by AOC because she was the darling of the Democratic Party because somehow she won a seat in a Democratic yeah. district. Whoopee. Well, and you know, <laughs> she's photogenic and she's completely clueless. And but, you know, she she's at the vanguard of the, she you know, is. the whole left wing. They they have come in and said, We're the new breed. They've got lots of Twitter followers and Instagram followers. Great. That's awesome for you. It doesn't mean you actually can accomplish anything. So here's my critique for Elijah Cummings. You've been in Congress for a long time. Didn't he have a crying sit-in under Paul Ryan? I don't even remember. A couple years ago. He walked with Martin Luther King Jr., so therefore he's untouchable. He's inviolate. Apparently. But he hasn't done much for his district. But I think that has a lot more to do with the mayoralship of Baltimore than it has to do with Elijah Cummings. And, and, we, and, we, and we should be able to have exactly that argument Correct. about Trump doesn't what do it are the right. causes. But, but, but to my point, you're not even allowed to say that, right? Well, We're not even allowed to, to have Elijah Cummings should be able to say this is the argument. What's going on in your district? Like yeah. Democratic, you've been involved for how many years? Decades. And, you know, I, you ever seen the poster when they, they've picked all these cities, Detroit, mm-hmm. uh, 
uh, all democratically held. It's like there hasn't been a Republican governor or mayor or politician in sight in four or five decades. Yeah, we're not allowed to. We're not allowed to point that out. We're not even allowed to have that conversation, right? Because immediately, wait a minute. Are you saying that? Detroit is not great. Well, there's a lot of African-Americans who live in Detroit. That's racist. You can't say that. I want to say something about this Presley lady because people okay. don't even know her. Not, till, till the squad so she made a statement at some some net roots, some, you know, some Democratic I, thing. I was going to get a clip, but I didn't. Okay. I'm sorry. So <laughs> the statement was essentially she's talking to sort of aspiring activists. You're going to get involved on behalf of the party. And her comment was – Basically, we don't need any more brown people who are not going to speak with brown voices. And we don't need any more black people who are not going to speak with black voices. Uh And that got no media play whatsoever. And I want to I just want to ask people, let's pretend that Donald Trump said, I don't want to see any more you white people not speaking with your white voices. Oh, my word. It would be yet again the next day. And rightly so. Armageddon. She is explicitly, if you want to talk about what is racist, that is the Mm -hmm. absolute definition of racism. What is she saying? If you're a person who is black, there is only one way, one acceptable way for you to think Mm -hmm. and to vote. And if you don't, don't, you're an Uncle Tom, get out. You are unwanted. And if you are a Latinx, Mm -hmm. solely because of your pigment, there is one way for you to think and one way for you to vote. And by the way, Miss Presley will inform you what that is. And don't you dare deviate from (laughs) it because your skin color dictates everything about you. That is unvarnished, undiluted racism straight up. And these are the people that are accusing Donald Trump of being a racist. And did we hear any person in the media say, "Um, excuse me, are you suggesting that all black people have to think and vote the same way? Didn't that come from the Project Veritas? I don't don't know. I'm not sure. I don't remember where it came from. This is the point as well. This gets back to the, I will believe your shrieking about racism in every crevice when you actually confront statements like that from people that are ideologically aligned with you and mm-hmm. say, you know what? That was flat out racist, Miss Presley. And I don't care that you are a woman of color. Your sentiments are no different from those that are expressed by a white supremacist. You've just mm-hmm. flipped, it on, flipped it on its head. But they're minorities, so therefore it's not racist. Right. So that's why <laughs> there are many reasons why I don't take much of that seriously, and that is one of them, which is it is also always selectively applied, which causes me to say, do these people really think this is racist, or is this no. merely just a political cudgel? No. Um, it's political. It's, it's a political, it's always political moment of political opportunism. This is what they do. So I have a – in the ideal world, Elijah Cummings would come to Congress and say, my district is a cesspool. I need help. What can we do? And it doesn't he's mean not, he's, I, he's I never going to say that. He said, I'm going to say, I need money. But it's not money. And that's what, that's the big lie. That is the huge lie the government tells you. If we spend enough money on this whole gun control, I went down the list of all the 2020 Democratic candidates. Almost all of them wanted federal control over guns. You know, more power over you. And they wanted to create money for something. 
Well, I don't know if you know this enough, but the government doesn't create money. They may print it, but they don't create it. They don't create wealth in any way, shape, or form. They use your money to do these things. But if Elijah Cummings actually wanted his district to do better, he would say, I need to find a solution for my district. I care about my district. And Donald Trump would also say, I want to help you. Forget what my party designation is. Forget what your party designation is. Let's find a solution. Now, the reality is nowhere. They're never going to agree on what the solution is. Agreed. Because one wants power and money, and the other wants power and money, and neither one wants to give the other one power or money. I don't even think it's about that. I mean, it's also just about completely incompatible worldviews. Now, we don't even have to talk about it in the context of Trump because I don't know whether Trump – has a lot of very go to the fixed, Congress. Very fixed principles about things, but in, no. But in other words, Elijah Cummings' worldview in terms of I want help. What someone who is a conservative mm-hmm. would say to him, he doesn't want that help. No, he wants money. Right, exactly. That's he just he wants. wants. I want you to provide me with more tax dollars that I can misspend and misallocate and will we'll provide additional graft the same way this has been going on for the last four decades. We just want to keep greasing the skids. And mm-hmm. also, and this is, I guess, apparently this is impolitic to say this. It is helpful for Elijah. It doesn't help Elijah Cummings, particularly and people who want to continually say that this country is a racist uh, you know, pit and there has been no progress because the minute that people step out of that situation, you've now lost part of your constituency. So this may sound – look, this may sound incredibly cynical, but I think this is true. There is not a huge desire among many leaders of the Democratic Party – for African-Americans who are in these situations to really actually alter their circumstances all that much. Mm -hmm. You say, how could you possibly say that? The proof is in the pudding because this has been going on for 50 years in many of these places. Or more. And the people that have been presiding over these places, one of the things you would think would have occurred to them is, you know what? We've been getting more money and more money and more money and doing the same thing doesn't seem to be helping the people that are in our neighborhoods who are still suffering from crime and drugs and mm-hmm. completely failed public schools. Oh, but wait a minute. We immediately oppose. Well, how about these families want to leave with? No, 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 can't no. The teachers union doesn't want that. Yep, can't You're not that. allowed to escape. No, you have to stay here. Listen, our kids get to go to the Ivy Wall private school, but that's because we're the more equal pigs. You people need to stay where you are. So part of this is when he goes to seek help, I'm not really sure how much help he actually wants them to get. Um, Again, I'm talking an ideal world. This is the big lie that is continually propagated by politicians. And I'll say it's on both sides to some Of course it is. There's some fear on one side. There's some, we're here to help you. We'll get the dole out. We'll keep giving you money, money, money. But if you wake up and say, for 50 years, we've had Medicaid. More than 50 years. For 50 years, Elijah, not 50 years for Elijah Cummings, but for 50 years, Baltimore has pulled in money. And you know what? It's still a pit. Now, the reality is, not everybody is going to be lifted up. There are going to be people on the bottom. Guess what? That's how the world works. You cannot have everybody at the same level. It doesn't work. Socialism right. doesn't work. Well, but Communism that's the first, doesn't work. So that's the first fundamental disconnect because they would say, well, of course you can. If, no. you, have this, if you have smart enough central planners nope. 
We just haven't implemented it properly nope, yet. Nope, nope, nope. They're all never, going to be never, ever, right. ever. And so that's ever part of the problem. And listen, I'm not. I'm not really. Picking on Elijah Cummings specifically, topic, he's yeah. kind of like a, a representative. And I'm even willing to say this, you know, maybe what Elijah Cummings is doing is very well intentioned. Okay, let, let's give him the benefit and, and him as a representative of that sort of mindset. Everything that you're doing, your worldview is well intended. You hope that everyone that is within you know your district um, is able to pull themselves up, live the American dream. But here's the question that I have. At what point are you willing to question whether, despite your good intentions, the real world results are not there? Mm -hmm. And do you have the ability to look at that and say, you know what? I'm a good person and I mean really well, and I'm pretty sure that my plan is the best one, but it doesn't seem to be working. Maybe we should try something else. And I don't see any willingness to do that among any of them. Well, that's true. It doesn't matter true. which party. I have a possible solution. I don't know if this will ever happen. Line item vetoes. No pork because line item vetoes at the presidential level. Governors have it. The president should have it as well. Term limits in Congress have to happen because you can't make this your career. Get in, get out. You, your ideas get stale. Move on. Third, I think, and I don't know what the percentage would be, but a certain percentage of the taxes taken out of a district have to stay in the district, period. Now, you have to have general welfare and take care of the entire country in certain ways. But why should 100% of my taxes go fund uh, something in San Francisco? I don't live there. I'm not benefiting from it. The country might be benefiting from it, but more than likely, the local is benefiting from it. I think you have to keep... Now, that's going to hurt some rural well, communities to a I point. Think, I mean, I think really what you're talking about is this is this whole debate about local and state autonomy Mm-hmm. You know, it's this whole it's it's really about federalism. I sure. mean, it's, it's what you're well, that's what it should be. And that's not what it is today. It was, but it is not today. And remember, this is also a a massive chasm in the worldview of, let's just say, the modern Democratic Party. They don't want autonomy I agree. From, because they know better and they look all of their Olympian aims and all of, you know, Elizabeth Warren's this this grand social engineering can't be accomplished if the lemmings get to keep some of their their money because they're just going to spend it on things that we don't approve of. And how can we possibly re-engineer an entire society without the ability to control all this stuff? So that's also sure. – th- that's going to be a fundamental divide it, philosophically. It's going to be fundamental. But if you're one of those communities and you're looking at your leadership who's been there for decades and your your life still sucks, why you keep voting them in? I don't – Anybody else has to be better than what they're giving. Why you, you keep voting them in? Because you're getting the freebies. My, no, that gets back to my point, which is because the other people want to put y'all back in chains. There's the term limits. If you have a term limit, you can't run for decades. You're done. That means somebody else. Now, it might be some like the same leader as the old leader. Might be the same person, but at least it's somebody else, and that's not perfect. I I don't understand where you're coming from. This. This is a fundamental change in how things would look, hope and change, but it doesn't – we can't continue to fund every city, which, let's be honest, most of the major cities are democratically controlled. Most, not everything, but most democratic yes. cities are controlled by the Democratic Party. 
This is not helping us. They are sucking down money from everybody else and then not giving a crap about everybody else. We're fl- If you're not in the coast, you don't matter. You don't matter to the Democratic Party. And I'm not sure you matter to the Republican Party in a lot of cases. They want you to help them win elections, but you don't really matter when it comes to yeah. infrastructure. And I don't know how to be an infrastructure guy. I'm a libertarian on that. I don't think my tax dollars should be going to put a road somewhere else if, I'm, if my roads are crumbling. I'm sorry. I don't and, think that's and how And to your work. point that they don't matter, the way that you know this is because if they have their way, we've talked about this you know, state compact or whatever, yeah. they're going to ensure that you won't matter in perpetuity because yeah. they want to institute a situation where the Electoral College doesn't exist anymore, and then they really – they won't don't even care. show up. No. You, you're going to be – you would talk about flyover country. They don't care. Well, look at your primary system. Look at the primary system, caucuses, primaries, whatever you have. You can tell the places that, well, to some extent, New Hampshire and Vermont, or Vermont and Iowa don't make a lot of sense to me in New Hampshire. But really, the big states are the ones that they get all the money. They get all the people coming in. We live in Pennsylvania. We're, we have our election end of May, June. It, it doesn't even matter who you vote for because it's already decided. By the time it gets here, it doesn't matter. So they tell you, you don't matter. You personally do not matter. That frustrates me. I understand the frustration in 2016. Oh, with I don't. Government. I don't take it as much as sort of like a personal affront. My point personal, is. My point is that there is the view of the Democratic Party is essentially: look, we don't really want input. We don't want the mouth breathers mm-hmm. in these red states mucking up our grand plans, and so we just. Don't care. In other words, we have the population centers, and that's all we need because all the smart people live there anyway. Sure. So as long as New York and California and, you know, whatever, parts of Chicago, uh, those are the people that will be in charge, and they will set the agenda for the entire country. And you rubes out in Wyoming and Montana, I don't know. What do you guys do out there? Go back to your ranch and <laughs> shoot stuff. Yeah. You know, shoot tin cans shut off up the fence, fence give line. Shut up your money and shut up. Yeah, whatever. And we're not going to actually give you that much money because no. you don't need it. We're going to take yours, but we're not going to give you any. Right. So in other words, it's not for me about they don't care about me. It's that they have a completely – by the way – the framers intentionally designed it so that you couldn't have a group of elites mm-hmm. all compressed into urban centers dictating policy for the entire country. They have to take into account the very unique needs and geography mm-hmm. and internal economies of different areas of this country mm-hmm. because that's the reason that the country has 50 different states. And at a national level, it would be anathema to them to say, nah, there's only really three or four states that matter. And their interests and their desires should set the agenda for everyone. Too bad for you people out in the hinterlands. That's, but that's the vision right now. That's what the Democratic Party wants. But that's all they care about. And when I was young and stupid, I thought the Electoral College was dumb. dumb. But you know what? You know what I it found isn't. out, though? It's not dumb. It's racist. It's, it's racist. It, it, it didn't get the right person. I heard Mark Levin say this the other day. He said, you know, 63 million people voted for Donald Trump. 63 million people. The media, the Democratic Party, are trying to disenfranchise 63 million people, and they think it's okay. 
Spin it around the other way. Had Hillary won, and she should have been investigated for all the things she did, would that be okay to disenfranchise the however many 65 million who voted for her? He was duly elected. Get over it. Move look, on to the next election. Look, but we un- can't do that. Look, unless we win, the rules must be changed. That's how it works. The rules exist to ensure that we win. That's if we don't the- win, the rules need to go. Because the rules were wrong. We should have changed right. the rules in advance. I want. We like the Supreme Court when we were getting Obergefell. Um, but now we, <laughs> we need didn't to, like it with Heller. We need to pack the Supreme Court because, again, we're not winning. No. Yeah, we need to the change rules the rules need to change. to change. It's like my daughter when she was younger, she'd play games and she'd change the rules every time she was losing. Well, that doesn't that's not how it works. We like the filibuster because it is a bulwark against majority tyranny, but when we don't win, the filibuster must go. Yes. It's very simple. I mean, we could do this all day long. You must give up the advantage you have because it doesn't help us. So you need to give it up so right. we're all equal again. And then right. when I'm in charge, you don't matter. And we've recently – and we only recently discovered that those were the rules. Yes. You know, who, no one told us. It's on the back of you the You mean that the Electoral College <laughs> actually deci- – that's outrageous. Yeah, I didn't know that was happening. Did really? you know that Hillary got 3,000 or 3 million more or whatever it is popular votes? Well, you know what's interesting to me? Those are the rules, right? You were – we were both alive in 2000. Gore Bush – I think the Electoral College was discussed at length. Yes. Merely 16 years before Hillary didn't know it existed. Really? Well, it was they betrayed her. They're, they're supposed to, the electors are supposed to pick sure. the heir sure. to the throne. They didn't do it right. Real quick, on, on the Democratic candidates from the, the debate, is it down to three? Possibly. Does anybody uh, else? Not, not well, that they ever. Who are you a, saying? Warren, Biden, and Harris? Is that the three? I think Bernie's the f- maybe four. Bernie. I mean, I think Biden, Warren, Harris. Biden, and Harris are clearly the three m- most viable. Okay. Um, you know, the rest of them are the rest are like just the, there. The dwarves. Just well, gonna... They have no shot whatsoever. I mean, now, now look, you no, got to also figure out some of them are trying to figure out who's going to make a platform. You know, who's going to be a, a running mate kind of thing. But yeah. In terms of the the contenders to be the presidential candidate, I think there's only three. I think it's Harris, Biden, and Warren. So Booker's out. Oh, T-Bone, <laughs> T-Bone's done. Well, yeah. I think he'll be on the next debate because I think he'll have enough support for that. But I oh, think Tulsa sure. Gobbert is gone. I mean, I I liked her attack on Kamala Harris. Yeah, I thought that was awesome, but too little, too and late. And she and she, the, they're angling for again. I want to be on a ticket. Sure, but that. Mayor Pete, not gone. Sorry, you know He's you got nothing. again the visitor from uh, the Beto O'Rourke gone. Yeah, what's her name? Williamson. You know, the, oh, yeah. the visitor from the Age of Aquarius. Or whatever. <laughs> Williamson. She's just struggling to say, "I'm still here. I'm still on the stage." Yeah. So, yeah, that, I think those are the. I think those are the only three. Who do you think stands out? Who Who's gonna? I mean, Biden's a gaff machine, but. He's well, a known it's not even. So, it's not even so much. Look, I think Biden's the only guy that can win the election for them. Uh, and I've said that before. And you don't think Bernie? Oh no, Bernie has no chance. And I don't think Bernie. I don't really think Bernie has a serious chance of winning the nomination. He's he's old news. Listen, Bernie, we got plenty of of died in the wool socialists now. You used to be a unique item. <laughs> you're you're, you're actually just one among many. And in fact, I mean, even though you va- you honeymooned in <laughs> the Soviet Union, you're not woke enough anymore. No, we've we've moved far past. Yeah, we're you. socialists, not communists. We don't. That's need, right. We don't need old right. red old reds here. I. I I think it's Harris. 
but not because I think her policies are even worth considering. No, I agree with you. I mean, I I think if I was going to rank the three of them right now, I would put Harris slightly ahead of Biden because Biden still has his white male privilege baggage in a party that's demanding – you know, again, he's struggling. He's jettisoning every every quasi every principle, principle he ever, he ever had, had if he ever just had to him. try to just to try to claw his way through the uh, primary, and then he'll try to tack back to the so-called well, moderate you, middle. I think the ironic thing is Biden. I think stands the best chance to beat Trump in a general election, yes. but I don't think he can get the nomination. No, that's true. I mean, that that is, <laughs> the, is that's amazing. the tension. That's the tension is the things that he needs to do that make him the most the biggest threat to Trump. Give are his biggest weakness in even escaping the Democratic primary, coming out of that primary. Yeah. That's a problem for him. Yeah. I, I suspect there'll be five by the time, maybe seven but here's by the, the time thing. the I still say, primaries come. I still say that if Biden had the courage, the intestinal fortitude. We know he doesn't, but okay. To actually, even in the primary, stand up and say things like, we've talked about this before, I am a reliable progressive, but... The idea that we're going to ban fossil fuels in 10 years is nuttery. Sorry, not going to happen. We can be environmentally responsible. I'm all for all of the trendy green initiatives. But the idea that there's a Green New Deal that is literally going to refashion the entire country is bonkers. (laughs) And I will never attempt to do that. And in fact, on the issue of, let's say, abortion... I have been a, um, unfortunately this is not true, a principled defender of life. I'm a member of the Democratic Party. I believe in a woman's right to choose. However, I think we should attempt to reduce abortions. And I do think there should be restrictions on when women can have an abortion. Now, of course, all of the harpies and the Twitter mob would spontaneously combust. But here's the thing. I don't think they fully represent the majority of the Democratic Party. Ooh. And if the voters heard that, the people, you'd ha- I think Biden would win the primary in a walk, even mm. though the rage bots would lose their minds. But he doesn't have the, the fortitude to do that. So what he's going to try to do is I'm going to pretend to be as woke and as radical and as extreme as the next. Yeah, absolutely. I'm on board with. No air travel. Yeah, that's all right. I only take the Acela anyway, so it's fine. I don't need to go on a plane. He lives um, in Delaware. He doesn't have to go that far. Right. Um, he's going to try to do that, somehow You know, get out of the primary, and then pretend he never said any of that stuff for the general election. The problem is that he's going to be pinned to the wall. But the media's not on his side. They're against him. They don't like him, right. Yeah, they don't like he's him. Because he's all those not... things you said. Right. But He's I, old news. I disagree. I I the millennials, I think, are crazy, and they'll they'll vote that direction in the Democratic Party. But you got you got to remember, you got baby boomers. What is it, ten thousand a day be, be retiring? They're the old '60s leftists. I mean, they're yeah. But you know what? Look, you even the kinder general we've leftists. We've even been reading stuff from people like Tom Friedman. Okay, saying he wrote a he wrote an op ed. Saying I was, I was. Now, first of all, this shows you how out of touch he is. I was shocked when I saw that the all of the leading contenders for the party I intend to vote for favor basically open borders. And the, you're shocked, Tom? Where you bed? What sensory deprivation tank have you been living in? Oh this is this is exactly this is what, what is. the vanguard of your party is. So if you're shocked by this. Just imagine how shocked the Rust Belt voter is going to be. Listen, you run. I'm telling you, 
you run Kamala Harris or Elizabeth Warren against Donald Trump, he's going to slaughter them. He should. I, I think because here's the thing: they, Kamala Harris is for abolishing all private health insurance, open borders, the whole spiel. And then Elizabeth Warren, in some respects, is even worse. I openly, I want to nationalize all the big corporations. Yes. I want Take all the, their money. I want everyone else to pay for everyone, everybody's college tuition. She's crazy. Yes, she is. I think the Rust Belt. When you speak, bring that up. I think the unions. The labor unions, not I don't mean teachers. Yes. I mean people who actually working in a factory. They're going, wait a minute. Wait, we've backed the wrong horse for decades. These nutbags want to get rid of us. They want to have our jobs taken by the open borders the people, crowd. The people that abandoned Hillary who voted for Obama are never going to come back to the Democratic Party if the standard bearer is espousing this kind of, I mean, look, these positions would have been extreme during the Obama administration. Yeah. Okay. They have moved a quantum leap to the left <laughs> in four years. Yeah. Three years. Yes. In three <laughs> years. So again, I'm sure Donald Trump, and that's the other thing. All the stuff, the sexist, doesn't work on him. He doesn't care. No. He doesn't care because partially he is a sexist. It hasn't hurt him before. He's going to continue to say outrageous things. The 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 smear bombs just – he's impervious to them. Do you think if the Republicans ran a different candidate, they didn't nominate him? Now, it's unusual, but it has happened. And that's never going to happen. Because I think if you ran – an you ran a Republican. For who, good or ill, they're stuck. They're stuck with Trump. Oh, that's a bad. Because I, I, I think it's a, it's a tight race, regardless oh, of who he goes against. Absolutely, it's a tight. And race. I think there's a chance he loses to Biden I mean, if Biden. What are Trump's? I mean, Trump is still. This is the amazing thing, and this demonstrates how polarizing he is with the the economy in the condition that it's in right now, which is very good. Yeah. He's still polling at what, like in the mid to low forties. Yeah, and he's it's incredible. In certain, in certain states, he's ten to twenty points behind. Right, and and again, absolutely, part of that is because the guy can't control himself. Yeah, and he fires off his daily Twitter screeds, and so there's a lot of people that absolutely detest him. But even more, there's people maybe in the middle who are like, "Man, I just can't stand that guy," and this is the reason. So the way the Democrats again lose the election, all you have to do is run someone who doesn't appear completely crazy. Exactly. And you're not going to do it. <laughs> no. Right? Because Joe Biden, this idea that Joe Biden's a moderate is laughable. Joe Biden is a down-the-line, lockstep Democrat. But in the, in the current environment, yeah. you know, he's like William Buckley. He, he does look <laughs> William Crystal. He, he, he looks like he, he's so the same, a different guy. Here's the thing. The same recipe. In the previous election, when the unthinkable happened, all you had to do for the Democrats to win is not run Hillary Clinton. They ran Hillary Clinton. Now all you have to do is not to run any win, of the ones running. Don't run any of the kooky socialists who want open borders and want to abolish fossil fuels. They're going to run one of those people too. I, I, I think you're right, and I think they they feel and they've been told the election was stolen. Right. He's not legitimate. The election was stolen. It's not because Hillary was a bad candidate. It's because Donald Trump cheated. Right. right. So if he cheated, our policies are still good. They're good. Everybody wants us. That's right. He, he cheated. So we can't let him cheat again. We can't let the Russians do nothing 
which they didn't do before other than try. Everyone at the Berkeley Faculty Lounge is on board with this program, and that is a representative slice of America. Also, we pulled the CNN producer's room. They agree to. So does Rachel Maddow. Everyone who represents America is on board. Full steam ahead. Yes, we're all part of that. So we'll have many times to talk about this in the future, but I, I just find it. Politics is very interesting. Very, very interesting. Ben Shapiro said the other day, I think I might vote for Trump. I didn't vote for him in 16. I might vote for him in 20 because I will, I will say right now, uh, you know, and again, this is supposedly as a Christian, I'm not supposed to do this, but <laughs> I can't vote for any of the Democratic candidates. No. I simply cannot. No. And, and, I, and I say this, so I will vote for Donald Trump. I, I will vote for Donald Trump knowing the man is of incredibly low character, is someone that I would prefer was not president in the mm-hmm. sense that there was many other choices I would, I would like. Yeah. He is not a Christian. He does not exhibit Christian values. All of that said, I cannot put any of those people in the Oval Office. Is Just it because can't you're afraid? You're no, oh, that's right. That's right. I'm curled <laughs> up in fear. No, it's because their policies are incredibly destructive. Agreed. Uh, they're not only incredibly destructive. Again, the things that they are advocating are Looney Tunes, literally. They're just well, – they're, they're, they're completely bonkers. They, they're not even within the mainstream of what used to consist of the main Democratic Party platform. Yes. Biden said, if you elect me, I'll cure cancer. That's all you I, need to know. Well, Donald Trump's <laughs> preventing the cure from cure cancer. Obviously. Well, yeah. yeah. Biden's going to cure cancer if I'm elected. If I'm not elected, I'm not helping you because you didn't help me. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Statements like that, you have to go, was he serious or, or really? Come on. And you know what? Here's the other thing. And I probably wouldn't have done this, but if Joe Biden, as I just talked about, had had the courage to, for instance, on abortion, mm-hmm. stand on his convictions, such as they are, in the sense to say, listen, Straddle that I'm not, yeah, not going to in two milliseconds flip-flop on the Hyde Amendment, which I supposedly supported for 30 years, but the minute a Twitter mob got mad at me, I changed my mind. If he had had the guts to do that, and also at least... Give the appearance of someone – fine, you're a Democrat. I know how you're going to vote. But you're, you're within sort of what I consider to be like the acceptable range of policies, even though they're policies that I don't agree with. I might have given a millisecond's consideration of voting for Joe Biden instead of Donald Trump because Joe Biden is, isn't going to do – but you know what? Can't even consider it because he's – That's a stretch. I don't know. Yeah. I would also have to see who was on his ticket. And and again, it's going to be it's going to be one of the yeah one of the kooks. Did you just before we wrap up? Did you see? I mean, I, I brought up about AOC and the cardboard cutout and the team Mitch people, but apparently there was protesters at Mitch McConnell's house oh. last night who were scream. They were Facebook live streaming, effing kill Mitch McConnell because yeah. of El Paso and Dayton. Right, I'm like. Mm-hmm. Uh, Does anybody condemn that from the Democratic Party? No, of course not. Not very self-aware. Here's the thing about Mitch, though. Behind the scenes, he keeps ramming through the judges. So he's just. I don't know about anything else, but I'll give him that. No, I actually look. I mean, I have had differences with Mitch, but you cannot, for what his job is, Mm -hmm. which is, I'm getting the Republican agenda, and particularly in this case, judges. Mm -hmm. He has been like. People aren't paying attention to this because it's Trump 24-7. Trump, Trump, Trump. Sure, sure. The latest tweet. Another another base for impeachment. Um, meanwhile, Mitch is just – here's the assembly line. We're yep. jamming him through. And he's been very, very effective. I agree. And I, for that, I will give him credit. Now, he's out of the Senate for a while. He, he 
fell and broke his shoulder. So we'll see if he's back in September and, or not. And, and the response is, I hope it was worth it, Tony. I hope the judges were worth it. Even though, again, I, did, I didn't vote for Trump last time. But uh, I do like – In response to that I person? I do absolutely enjoy the fact that there are originalist judges that are going on the bench. Yes, I'm very pleased yes. by that. I, I appreciate that the judges are going on there. I appreciate that um, there was a tax refund. I appreciate uh, our military getting back to – Firm standing instead of the debacle that Obama left us. Yes, I appreciate that, and I guarantee had it gone the other way, none of that would have happened. And guess what? Should I vote for the person who I know won't help me, or should I vote for the person who might right. help that's, me? That's the best part now is they're not even pretending anymore. In other words, it used to be, oh, absolutely, we love it. Like, it was sort of like they had to they – they don't even attempt to sugarcoat what they're actually going to do, which I, I in some respects laud that. Honest, like, yeah. great. We know that you're um, in another galaxy. Yeah. Perfect. You're not going to help us, so that's fine. So that's to one particular person. They know who they are. If they happen to ever listen, great. <laughs> Wait, what was to one particular person? That I'm, I'm, I'm very happy we got the judges. I'm oh, very good. happy we got the other. Oh, good. So that yes. person knows who they are, and uh, we'll leave it at that. Excellent. That's all I got tonight, Tony. Anything else from you? No, we have, as usual, done <laughs> Far more than we should have. Uh, not damage, though. I think it was constructive. I guess that's a subjective opinion. <laughs> well, it's my subject and my yes. opinion, so yes. I'm Chad. I'm Tony. Good night. This has been a Hannah Tree production.